Today, we're going to uh, look at what happened after Pilate washed his hands and turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers. If you have your own Bibles, I'm going to uh, invite you to please open up to Mark chapter 15. I'll be reading from verses 16 through 20. The Bible says this, The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters, called the Praetorium, and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped into their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they, were, they, they took off their purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then uh, they led him away to be crucified. Well, I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, it's tough to read and, and hear these few verses of what Jesus went through in the hands of these Roman soldiers. But you have to keep in mind that even though it only took a few moments for me to read those verses, it did not take a few minutes what Jesus endured for us. We think about the ways that they were responding. In these verses, we see a few things taking place. Humiliation was a part of the attack. It wasn't just simply to beat him, to spit on him. They stripped him of his own clothes. On verse 20, it tells us that when they took off the purple robe, they put his own clothes back on him. Again, they dressed him up in that purple robe, and the color purple signifies, you know, royalty. They wove thorn branches into a crown, and they placed it on his head. You got to keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but when I pick up and I think about the thorn branches, I think about roses, and I want to make sure the way I'm, the, I'm holding the stem is just right. Just this past week, as my daughter's back from Kutztown University, she's in that ultimate Frisbee uh, team, and then we're out in the backyard, you know, we're playing uh, a Frisbee, and there's no one in our backyard, no, no, no more neighbors, but just, you know, these thorn bushes and a couple of, so what happened? I threw it incorrectly. I tried to be all cool, and I threw it with the left hand. It was no, it didn't even get to her. It ended up where the thorn bushes and everything was that, so I was like, I'm not getting that. I can only imagine, ladies and gentlemen, what it felt like when they wove those thorn branches into a crown and placed it on his head. They saluted him and taunted him, saying, King, you know, hail, King of the Jews. Bad enough that he had to, be, uh, had to be beaten. Now they mock him and hit him with sticks on his head, and they spit on him. Jesus was not a criminal, yet he was dishonored in ways we cannot or don't even want to imagine. So the, sol- the soldiers taunted him, they hit him, and they spit on him, and then they dropped to their knees in mock worship, the Bible is telling us. See, there are ways to worship Jesus, but the way of mocking and worship should never be one of them. We can easily think negatively, right, about the Roman soldiers, but are we any different? 
See, ordinary people are persuaded to do extraordinary and awful things. Given the right combination of ideology, authority, and then gradual desensitization, like the soldiers, all of us can become monsters capable of destroying others with weapons ranging from words to gas chambers. It is a reality we must face and guard against, looking instead to God and trying to understand who he has called us to be. That being said, we shouldn't believe that Jesus only went through this kind of humiliation when he was at the hand of those Roman soldiers. Sadly, it still happens today. How often, by the way that we live, we mock Jesus. We disobey. We uh, uh, disrespect him. We use his name in a word of disappointment or when we're angry at something or at someone. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a meeting with others physically in the same room, but mentally they are not there? It's your turn to speak when others should give you their undivided attention, they check their devices or sift through paper? or having a conversation and the person continually checks their phone because it's you know, either vibrating or just you know, ringing the notifications. When we worship, shouldn't we be giving God our undivided attention? If our hearts and our words are somewhere else and we aren't into it, it can turn into a form of mocking Jesus if we aren't careful. We are reminded in the gospel, book of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, the Bible says this, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth in truth. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, we must worship in spirit and in truth. It's interesting that the scripture was written many, many years ago, but here in the very beginning when I said the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, what are we going through? That we can say we need to worship God in spirit and in truth in the midst of what we're going through, in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of worry, in the midst of fear. It's time to worship him, to come back and worship him in spirit and in truth. When we worship in that manner, we are doing so in reverence to who we are worshiping. It takes focus. It takes concentration. It takes the heart to want to honor who Jesus really is. It's not just closing our eyes when we say, you know, let's pray. Are we engaged in prayer? It's not just to sing a song, just to sing a song. Are we listening to what we're singing? Are we believing what we're singing? 
For example, a hymn that says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we hear the songs all the times that we remember, but are we also focusing on the words that we're singing? Or one of the more recent songs that's titled, No Longer Slaves, the chorus says, I'm, says uh, let's see here, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Are we really believing those words in the midst again of fear, in the midst of uncertainty? Or as we prepare in upcoming weeks and we think about what Jesus went through, but also after the crucifixion, after his death and he rose again, that we can sing the words and really believe it when it says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know he holds the future, my life is worth living just because he lives, all oh, the words if we don't believe it, ladies and gentlemen, they're just words. True worship connects the heart, the song, and the aweness as we focus our worship on Jesus. We have, come, uh, we have to come to Jesus with humility, not to humiliate. When we don't worship in spirit and in truth, we run the danger of becoming like the Roman soldiers. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe you've been hit or beaten, abused or mocked or picked on, or even humiliated, but remember this. Jesus understands our hurts and pain. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible tells us he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet, he did not sin. we got to keep in mind that Jesus was the Son of Man, but also the Son of God. And to my knowledge, he is the only God we can say that understands what we go through. The events surrounding the last 24 hours of Jesus' life here on earth speak first of the brokenness of humanity. As we have seen already, each of the persons taking part in this tragedy within those hours is a reflection of that brokenness. Let's, let's, let's think about it a moment here. It says the disciples fell asleep and they fled in fear as Jesus was arrested. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied him. The Sanhedrin wished him dead. The crowds preferred Jesus Barabbas over Jesus Christ. 
a Messiah preaching violence over a Messiah preaching about love. The governor wished to satisfy the crowd and washed his hands. And the soldiers took delight in torturing and dehumanizing an innocent man. The brokenness of humanity is not only the word that we are meant to hear in this story, however. We are also meant to see the love of the one who suffers for us, as well as his determination to save us from ourselves and from our sin. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, again, the key verse throughout all this, I get to uh, use it as part of the sermon. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus' suffering and death are not accidental. He chose, again, he chose the path he knew would end in his passion. Jesus demonstrated love that refuses to give in to violence or give up. He is determined to love the enemy in order to win freedom from them and restore them to the rightful relationship as beloved child and friend. In Jesus' suffering and death, he set an example for us, a kind of love that alone has the power to save humanity from its self-destructive ways. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love transforms enemies into friends, shames the guilty and, uh, into repentance, and melts the hearts of stone. The world is changed by true demonstration of sacrificial love and by selfless acts of service, as we hear so many people going out and doing so. To our first responders, to our health uh, uh, department, you know, the, the nurses and doctors, and the acts of kindness that go around. In John 3.16, the Bible tells us, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus offers us sacrificial love. In his book, The 24 Hours That Changed the World, Reverend Adam Hamilton shared a story about uh, uh, Tammy Duckworth, and I want to be able to share that story with you. In November uh, 2004, Tammy Duckworth, a reservist called to fight in Iraq, was co-pilot of a Black Hawk helicopter, struck by a rocket-propelled grenade, an RPG, that exploded at her feet, severing her legs and crushing her arm. By the time the chopper crash-landed, it appeared that she was dead. The soldiers in the helicopter with Tammy knew that the enemy would be on their way to the crash site, and if they were captured, they would likely be killed. But they refused to leave Tammy behind. They worked to extract her from the helicopter. They carried her through the fields of six-foot-high and tall grasses at great personal risk in order to get her out. 
when they finally reached safety, they realized that although she had lost half her blood, she was miraculously alive. She recovered, was fitted with prosthetics, and became fully mobile. Later, she was named director of Illinois Department of Veteran Affairs. On February 3rd, 2009, Duckworth was nominated to be the Assistant Secretary of Public and Intergovernmental Affairs of the United States Department of Veteran Affairs. The United States Senate confirmed her for the position on April 22nd. And in January 2017, she became a United States Senator from Illinois. And guess what? When asked how she felt about the great risk her fellow soldiers took to save her life, Major Duckworth said, you have to get up every day and seek to live in such a way as to be worthy of that kind of effort and sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, that quote is so good, I want to share with you that, uh, that again with you. It says, you have got to get up every day and seek to live in such a way as to be worthy of that kind of effort and sacrifice. Well, Jesus' suffering and death are intended to be a mirror held up to our souls, a reminder of the jealousy, pettiness, self-centeredness, spiritual blindness, and darkness that lurks in all of our souls. We are meant to read the gospel accounts of the torture, humiliation, and crucifixion of Christ and say, never again, or God save us from ourselves, Lord, have mercy upon us. The accounts are meant to move us to repentance. How will you and I respond? Like the Roman soldiers? I hope not. Let us pray. Lord, our heart aches as we imagine you standing among the soldiers as they hurled insults and spat upon you. Thank you for enduring shame so that you might know the pain we human beings sometimes experience. Thank you for identifying with our hurt and pain. Forgive us, we pray, for those times when we have been on the giving end of this hurt, when by our words and actions we made others feel small. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this week, wherever you are, worship Jesus wholeheartedly. When you wake up to face the day, like Tammy Duckworth, seek to live in such a way as to be worthy of that sacrifice, the sacrifice Jesus endured for you and for me. And I'm going to share something with you. We want your kids to join us in our live worship experience for Palm Sunday next week. And here's how you can do it. We ask that all kids make palms through the Easter uh, drive-thru. We get all the information, you know, we get the bags. And then we ask all, all kids to make palm leaves and then record a one-minute video waving them this week.
Send videos to the link that's provided. But most importantly, I want to share this, hold the phone horizontally, all right? Then watch next weekend as we celebrate Palm Sunday together. Let's have that great experience. Even though it's online, let it be from our sanctuary to your sanctuary wherever you tune in. May God bless all of you.